I always say, what does good look like? I get poked a lot about why don't you say what great looks like? I'm like, let's start with good. Greatness will come the more you enable people to do their best work, the more people are comfortable in that space. But let's start with good. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn Gregory, and you're on Gut Plus Science. You're in for a fast-paced, storytelling, action-item-rich leadership growth experience. I hope you make this podcast a habit. I consider it a leadership mentoring tool. Learning together makes us better together, and that is how we change the world around us. Let's get to it. So Krista Pell is the Chief People, Culture, and Engagement Officer at Alberta Investment Management Corporation, or we're going to keep it short today and call it AIMCO, which I think they're known for all throughout the world and beyond. I'm so excited to be with Krista today because she's passionate about something that I share with her, passionate about enabling people to do their best work. And I'm so ready to learn and I want to understand why is this the thing and how do you do this? And so Krista, I'm so happy that you've chosen to join us today and we're ready to pick up some tips from you. And this will be a really fast pace because I know we got a lot to cover, but I want to start with this. Enabling people to do their best work of all topics we could ever talk about. Why is this topic so important to you? Thanks, Nikki, for having me on. You know, when I think about enabling people to do their best work, picture this. So we know that people or talent is what makes organizations different. And so In many cases, or most cases, we spend the time to look for great talent, interview, we evaluate, and then we want to give them the opportunity to do all those things. And I look at it that way, which is, why would we not? Why would I not want myself or you or any of our employees to be in the absolute best scenario to do your best? You want people to do their best work? Give them the opportunity to do it how they do it best. And I'm curious, do you see that the majority fall short, a large group of companies and business leaders fall short from really investing in helping people to do their best work? It's certainly not unconscious. I mean, organizations aren't consciously trying to attract the best talent, employ them, and then say, no, we're going to put you in an environment where you can't. And I think it's a little bit less conscious than even if I do this, it's going to prevent best work. But think about it this way. We all are different. Nikki, you might have woken up and wanted to grab a coffee or a tea and get right to work at 7 a.m. Or you might have been a, hey, I definitely can't get started before nine. And so use that as a simple example. I think organizations try to put too many, now that we've hired you, come and assimilate you into how we work best or as a leader, how I work best. Instead of starting with, hey, Nikki, what works best for you? That is a utopia that doesn't work 100% of the time, for sure. But man, what a difference it would be if it worked 90% of the time. So I look at it more like that. I don't think organizations are consciously trying to disempower or disable individuals from doing their best work. But just by the nature of the environment um, or the nature of the timing or the nature of the style of work, it's going to shift how people are successful. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of reflecting on just my being inside of organizations, walking alongside them, talking with people that love their work versus those that are challenged. And I think that you hit something on the head. I do think there's a lot of falling short, but I don't think it's an intentional effort. It is, I don't have my conscious present focus right here. If I knew what to do. And so I'm like thinking of the person that's driving to work right now or driving wherever on the treadmill. And they're like, oh, am I? enabling people to do the very best work. I'm going to use this episode to evaluate 
I think that the key right here is this is going to be our opportunity to do some self-reflection to see where we are consciously showing up to do that and the opportunities that we have to get better and take it from like, we're doing good. Could we go to great? So this will be really fun. Talk about the mindset shift that leaders should take. Like, what would you suggest when it's around helping leaders to embrace this? Like, what's that shift you'd suggest? You know, whether it's an existing employee-employer relationship, I would say it starts with like, how do I get the best out of you? And that's actually a question. I use a lot in interviewing is like, you know, who is the leader? Like, or what is the leadership style? Or what is the organizational culture where you felt best, where you were able to do your best work? I was just speaking with one of my team members today and I said, listen, why don't you go in and ask them when they can deliver that project to you? Don't set a date. Don't set an end date. Now, if yours is 10 days and theirs is 10 weeks, well, then, you know, you might have a bit of a bridge. But if you're 10 days and there are 15 days, are you not going to get better results by someone setting their end date, setting and working to their time than you pushing the 10 dates, not knowing what might be going on? at home or in their personal life or competing demands. And so for me, that mind shift of ask the questions first, like don't self-center as opposed to like employee-centric. It's just like, hey, let me find out and ask. I think one of the other mindset shifts is really around, you know, I used the word assimilation earlier and I don't mean that in a bad way, but is the mindset shift is there's multiple ways to get to an end result is the other mindset shift is really focus on what's most important in what you might be needing from your employee or your team. Is it the process that's most important? Then highlight that. Is it the end state that's most important? Then highlight that. So really as a leader, not just, you know, sending someone with a task, but really what is it is that's important for, I'll say for you, if you're the leader setting the task, but how do you know, like, if it's going to be amazing or great, what are those important things as opposed to thinking everything is equally important? That's another big mindset shift that you have to have. Then ultimately is as a leader, like really knowing yourself as well, which is if I was to say to you, Nikki, like I want you to be able to do your best work. And that means I need to be able to check in at this period because we've already established what you need. Then I'm going to be clear about what I need at the end as well. It's all of those components, some of that, you know, you start to shift your mind as opposed to, I'm going to give you a job and it's on my timeline, my dates, my expectations, and how you may work and do your best work may not match that. So I'm taking frivolous notes here because I want to make sure I've got the cliff notes for people and we can catch this in different ways. So, you know, I've got two categories laid out here. One side is the conscious choices that we make or the conscious disciplines or habits, right? And so you said a couple of things like asking powerful questions, just spending time listening, hearing from them how they want to work towards like that end game or what that looks like. So one side is the consciousness of being and, and those habits and disciplines. The other side is the mindset or how to think about this. We can do this in multiple ways. We can do this together. And so I just want to play with that for a couple of minutes. When you think of conscious disciplines or the way we show up, what else comes to mind for you? Listening first is a really conscious behavior or conscious discipline, which is particularly as leaders. And maybe I think even the more senior you get, you feel the need to come in with, I must speak first. I must present first. I must give everybody the information first, as opposed to starting a pattern with your employee, your team, your organization, which is, I'm going to ask questions first. 
So don't come in with all the answers, come in with all the questions. Um, and you mentioned the powerful questions. For me, that's definitely one pattern. I think the second one is be open to multiple ways to be successful. From my perspective, if you're open to your way is not the only way, you're going to get incredible results or at least have the opportunity for incredible results. And then I think the third one is, again, I guess along those behavior patterns of open-mindedness, but be willing to try things that might fail. So we talk about like, is it a fail-safe zone? Like if you make this decision now, is it safe to fail? Realistically, as a leader, it is safe to fail. And that's okay. So that's how, you know, you kind of really evolve your organization. Those are probably three for me that really give that mindset shift in some of those more tangible behavior shifts that you might have to take on. I love that. And, you know, like I had shared a couple of minutes ago, I love that these episodes can be very practical application where it's like, okay, here's the topic. Now let me, the listener, sit here and kind of do a reflection back on these are the core things from an activities perspective. Man, like one that just hit for me is let them talk first. We don't have to come in with the whole agenda and here's where we're going to go. I can bring the powerful questions to shape that rather than bringing first my words. I'm just going to ask the questions and allow us to get there together. And so I hope so far, just in this quick kind of reflection moment that we're doing about the conscious disciplines and the mindsets to take, that you listener kind of picked out one or two things that it's like, oh, I could get better at that. So let's keep going. When it comes to walking through, you know, really designing the end game together, I think of like co-creation, let's do it together. Talk about how do you do that? I always say, what does good look like? Whether it's my end state, what does good look like? Or what does it look like as enabling people, a team, a project to do their best work? So as a leader, I may need to start that conversation. Hey, let's talk about what good looks like. I get poked a lot about why don't you say what great looks like? I'm like, let's start with good. Greatness will come the more you enable people to do their best work, the more people are comfortable in that space. But let's start with good. What does good look like through the process or at the end? And that allows co-creation of, well, good for me is this and good for me is this and good for the client, good for the end state, good for the user, whoever good needs to be but let's talk about all those things. And that really allows us to develop some kind of North Star elements, whether it's North Star for us working on a program project, something together, or North Star for the end user, whoever's going to be impacted. So I do a lot of that. That's a lot of co-creation. And then again, ask the questions of what's realistic. One of the rules I have with my team is, like I'll give myself an out is, I haven't done some of the things I'm asking them to do. Or I did it in a different way. So usually the first thing is like, hey, this is my big vision. I'm a big visionary and state leader. They are very accustomed to Krista coming in saying, this is kind of what I see. Rip it apart for me. Tell me what's hard. A word we use a lot is, is the juice worth the squeeze? Has Krista just asked us or something that visually she got really excited about, but is like way too much. And so that co-creation of, hey, I know you're asking us to go build the Eiffel Tower, but like not today, that's too hard. And then, okay, well, we can't build the Eiffel Tower. Can we build the mini Eiffel Tower? Like, is that so critical? And so that co-creation, to your point, is I think how it really enables people to do their best work. It allows me as a leader to do my best work or allows people I'm working with because they understand the bigger vision that maybe I have through the process or the end state, but they can right-size it and be realistic 
so that they're not aspiring to do something that's so challenging and so out of reach. And then I get to the end state that's like, meh, not as critical. The other thing, sorry, I was just thinking of something that, you know, I've used a lot. And again, a little bit of a storytelling. I always have these little analogies, but it helps people think is I'll often say, okay, let's have this great brainstorming, think, 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 and then let's go. Like you go off and think and I'll go off and do something else. And then I ask them to come back after a week. Let's actually ground ourselves now in what are all the ingredients? Is that what I really asked? Is that what I really think? So one of the the analogies we use a lot is like, don't come in with a fully baked loaf of bread. Come in with all the ingredients or maybe you've stirred the dough. Imagine if someone goes off and does all the work and comes back and I'm like, ooh, that's not at all what we talked about. You know, how disengaging is that? And time wasting and all of those things. So that's another one that we talk about co-creation is what's that first checkpoint? Like, how do we really ensure that People have all the information. They're headed down the right path. They're doing the right things. They've got the tools. We have a chance to kind of think and talk together. That's so great. I want to go back to something that is unique because I want to understand how you got here. So you hear many people say, what does great look like? And you said, I don't start there. I start with what does good look like? I think that's different and unique. So I'm just curious, how did you get there? Like, how did you learn that that was a better place to start? And then what have you seen because you do that? it's really able to allow for the greatness to grow, I guess. Like, tell us that story a little bit. It's been an organic journey. What I started to notice is almost similar to like my baked bread scenario that I just gave you is most people don't always share the exact same vision of an end state or a process, right? So if Nikki, you and I were talking, I might be able to describe something. You are coming from a different paradigm and a set of experiences than I am. So unless we've worked attached at the hip for 20 years, or we've had the exact same experiences, our end state vision will probably be different. And so it always started for me with, hey, understanding where people are coming from, understanding their experiences, I'll never have their paradigm. And so I've got to get us to a good spot first. I've got to get the foundation built. The more we work together, the more we communicate effectively, the more the team is enabled to do their best work we will have a chance to get to greatness. But if we just constantly are driving to greatness, we're probably going to not actually get there very quickly. I was having a conversation this morning with my executive assistant, Kimberly, and I said to her, like, the pursuit of perfection is impossible. And that's often greatness. Like people are like, oh, if I'm going to be great, it has to be perfect. And I'm like, no, let's just be really good. Sometimes 80-20 is going to be way better than... 99% perfection. But then at 80-20, as soon as you get there, you can leapfrog right at the end or leapfrog in the process. So the best step you can take is the first step and get going. And like I said in that earlier answer is, is it safe to fail? Is this an environment that's not? So those are the other things. There are absolutely decisions, programs, processes where we do want as close to perfection as possible. But that doesn't mean every single one. Again, when you're looking at creating that right environment for people to do their best work, not everything can be urgent, important, and have to be proven. And maybe I'm likening it a little bit to that is I come from like a long athlete background, and that's usually where my brain goes, I can't win every game. I would love to win every game. I can't. So what are the ones that I really have to win and I really should win? 
but I'm always going to try and do my best. Well, and you think enabling people to do their best work, much of our best work comes from feeling as if we're meaningfully depositing into that work. We feel impactful. We feel that we're fulfilling a role in a good job. One of the angles that I really like about this, because I've not used that verbiage before, like starting with good, I'm like, what does great look like? Or what is ideal? And then working backwards from there, I like the good because it's almost like the first step or the second step on the staircase. This is a good step, next step. And we can celebrate more together because great is way out here. And then we're going to have more wins. And then our wins give us more momentum to co-create more together because it's a lot more fun. Well, it's a lot easier to go from good to great than zero to great. Yes, I love that. So all of us can change our mindset today. So for whatever you're saying, like, what does great look like? Or what is the perfect world or the ideal world? Let's just start with good or something like that. So I love it. Krista, you had said when we had talked before a word that I really love and I want to hear your angle on this. You said there's so much power in simplicity. And particularly when it comes to enabling people to do their best work, simplicity is key. Tell us what you mean. There's a lot of effort to create simplicity, but that in turn creates complexity. So similar to how you're saying you like to work backward, it's almost exactly the same thing, which is what is the problem we are trying to solve? And could I just solve it this way as opposed to like 20 processes or steps to solve it that way? And so when I think about simplicity, I think about clean and easy words. We don't need to use complex words. Clean and easy steps to complete it and very concise and precise end states. Like if this is the problem we're trying to solve, what actually solves it? Not all of the different elements. In trying to solve one problem, you identify other problems, but it's really always talking through those pieces in order to be like, what is the actual problem we are trying to solve? One of the patterns of behavior in my team right now that we have, you know, we just spoke about it last week and I'll probably speak about it again with them is before you commit to doing something, before you commit to a change, before you try to problem solve, I want you to stop. And bring another friend into the conversation because likely there's somebody else trying to solve a similar problem in an effort to be service oriented and action oriented, which are great traits. We create complexities or duplicate and shadow processes by trying to problem solve. So the new role that we're trying to put in place is like, before I jump into action, sit on your hands for a minute, think about who you could ask to see if you know, hey, have you worked through this? Have you thought about this? Is this already happening somewhere before I launch into action or before a team launches? So simplicity to me is actually doing less. It is really doing less to do more or it's moving slower to move quicker. And often, again, service-oriented, action-oriented individuals jump right into problem solve as opposed to like, oh, wait, pause, look around, talk about it a little bit and then determine the path forward. I love that. Thank you so much. And just these little tweaks that are just helping sharpen us. They're so great. And I know when it comes to removing complexities or making things simple, that's one way of removing barriers that stand in the way of people being able to be their very best. There's many versions to that. I'd love to hear when you found the rhythms to removing barriers well, how do we show up regularly to be able to do that? And I think with removing barriers, It's being open to being wrong. I have a colleague still to this day, but certainly in the first few months, very senior colleague, 
And she was like, I don't understand. Can you help me understand that better? And like, I remember the very first meeting she did that in. I love it. Super senior individual, like really senior coming in and just be like, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. And it did two things. One, it diffused the perception that people at a senior level are really like know everything because you don't. And the second thing it started, and we have a really psychologically safe work environment. So it wasn't like people were afraid, but it started to create a pattern where people just genuinely like, hey, pause, time out. I actually don't know what you're talking about or help me understand that. So when you think about those behaviors to like kind of break down barriers quickly, it is about just that, hey, pause, help me understand. Let's get aligned. Let me ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. So great. And Renee Brown did a great job of setting the tone for being vulnerable and like being a leader in your suit and tie, right? Like we went through COVID and all that. And it's like a lot of that stuff went away and we're just humans first. And I love that just some of those practices that tie right into that is like, doesn't matter the title, right? We're here to connect and build relationships to advance each other. And so much of that is being open to being wrong and saying, I don't know. Those are powerful words. I don't know. Or I don't understand when we're on removing the barriers is going back to that. Like, is this a safe to proceed kind of decision or, you know, is it safe to fail? And not that everything is safe to fail. Like sometimes it isn't. We have external clients that we might be less safe to fail than internal clients. So there might be things I'm like, I'm totally good. If it works out, it does. It doesn't like, let's learn from this. Let's actually try as opposed to like, "Eh, this isn't one that I want us to be safe to fail let's dig more, let's spend more time, let's collaborate more. And what are the risks? So really, you know, that risk reward model to understand exactly that from a leader and employee and work, because that then removes barriers. Again, going back to enabling people to do their best work. If my team understands what type of decision-making they have and when it's safe to fail and they can make those decisions, hey, I think Chris is going to say this one's a safe to fail, I'll pop her a note, tell her what I'm doing. It also allows people to just have that autonomy to make good decisions and also know that sometimes the decisions they make aren't going to be the best. Nothing is going to be perfect. Well, thank you so much. I just have one final question that I just thought of, and then we're going to move over to our lightning round to learn a little bit more about the personal side of you. So leaders that are listening right now and they're like, man, I just want to do more of this. Like, I really want to enable my people and I'm not co-creating with them right now. And gosh, I start every meeting with me talking for 30 minutes and just simple things to go back to the question when I said, are people missing the mark a lot? And you said, I don't want to say that. I want to say, it's just not conscious. It's not like anybody's doing this. Well, I'm sure there's somebody out there doing it intentionally, not most people. And so those that are listening, the reason why you're listening is because you want to get better and you want to be a better leader. So all of these things, I'm just curious as you wrap us up here, if you were to say, there's this one thing that overarches everything. If you can focus on this, this main thing, what's at the top of the list to start with? If someone's like, I want to do this, but I kind of feel overwhelmed. What should I master first? I don't even know if master is the right. What should I get good at first? There we go. Taken from Krista. What comes to mind? Oh, there's two things that are resonating in my mind right now. One of them is really trying to understand what you're trying to solve and what the person or scenario you're trying to ask, as opposed to jumping into problem solving. Especially if you're someone who's action oriented, you'll hear something, you're like, oh, boom, I know what the answer is. Like, no, let's just stop, pause, listen. We don't rush in to solve. 
And then it kind of ties to the same thing is always offer the why when you go to problem solver. This is what I'm thinking or this is the direction. Like enabling the why, this is what I'm thinking and the why. And then usually my answer is, unless it's like very directive and sometimes like it is sometimes like, hey, this is what we're going to do and this is why we're doing it. Boom, done. But usually my sentence at the end is, I'm giving this directively, but like, am I missing something? Like before we proceed, is this safe? Like, are we good to go forward? Because yeah, sometimes as a leader, particularly the more senior you are, it is directive. Like there are times that I need to be directive. Those are like the 10%. So 90% of the time is, this is what I'm thinking. This is my idea. This is why I think this help poke around at it. So that's probably the two things, like really understand what you're trying to solve for. And if you are coming in to give any, just input, whether it's input or direction, give the why. Yeah, so many things in this. So I'm sure uh, a lot of our listeners have a ton of notes. I'm going to try to do a good job of summarizing some key takeaways. But thank you so much, Krista, for all that you gave us today. We're going to take a quick break. We'll hear from our sponsor and so thankful for them today. And we're going to come back to our lightning round where it's just a real fast get to know you. We'll be right back. Work Human is the pioneer of employee recognition and their podcast, How We Work, highlights everything that shapes the employee experience and what leaders can do right now to change it for the better. If you are leading meaningful work experiences for others, this show is a must. Subscribe to How We Work anywhere you listen to podcasts. And after you listen in, I want to know your takeaways. All right, back on Gut Plus Science with Krista Pell. So Krista, I've got four questions for you. Some might be harder than others, but let's see what comes of this. You prompted me with a couple of things you said, so I'm going to tie into our conversation. Number one, we ask everyone this. So if you've listened to this show, you've heard this before. Your favorite book of all time or favorite recent read that our leadership audience would love to know? You know, it's so old school, but it's so foundational. I think for me, it's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I got to go there. I was debating on another one. I was debating on five dysfunctions of a team because I love the story and the fable. But seven habits of highly effective people. Think about the habits, I guess. They're really good. <laughs> They're really clean and simple and easy. They do really make you more effective. And something to just go back and revisit and revisit and revisit. Because to your point about perfection or mastery or whatever those words are, it's like our pursuit of greatness is the try to get better and get better. And all those seven are just, they're just great. Okay. So I heard you mention a couple of times something about sports and athletics. So is sports and athletics a big part of your life? Like how does that show up for you? I've been competing on really high levels in athletics since I was about, I'm going to say 16-ish, 15, you know, and even before that, I would say as high level, but like cheerleading, like national champion tech level cheerleading. Then I got into rugby after university and did like national team on rugby. Then I got into CrossFit, top 20 in the world in CrossFit, and then got into Olympic weightlifting. And I love them all, love them all for different reasons. I feel like I could probably continue on the Olympic weightlifting path, but I'm kind of jonesing for something different. So stay tuned. I got to figure out what the 2024 path forward is. Do you have any potentials that you could tease out with like what you've been thinking about? I really... Don't. I'm definitely not like a triathlete. I've done triathlons. I actually love them much more than running out the fun, but I don't know. I don't know yet. Well, we'll have to have you back because I'm so interested. That's cool. Okay. So we are recording this just after the new year. So it's just like fresh reflection time. 
curious, 2023, what the biggest highlight that comes to mind? When you think like your leadership role, biggest highlight, what comes to mind? I joined AIMCO in the summer of 2022, and I am definitely action-oriented. I'm also a believer that you come in, you make a big impact, and then you're able to really like kind of ride that implementation for a while and really tweak it. 2023 at AIMCO, we stood up our people strategy in support of our corporate strategy. We put a huge presence. Like we didn't just say, oh, we're going to slow roll this out. Like we went all in in 2023. Everything we wanted to implement, we put it in 2023 with the intention of 2024 and 2025 being really like, let's run it now. And it was really successful. It really was. So definitely I was planful, well-timed, took care of capacity, but I asked the team to really stand up and do that. And they did. And that was amazing. The cool part about you sharing that story about what you did in 2023 is many things you just said illustrated what you just taught us about co-creating and taking time and planning it out and to see it to come to life and stuff. So that was really cool to see. We didn't plan that, people. That was organic. And finally, would love to know, Krista, for those that might want to reach out and connect with you after the show or ask some questions or whatever, what's the best way to connect with you? Easiest is probably email work, like my name, Krista.pel at aimco.ca, at LinkedIn, always. If you message me on LinkedIn, I'll just like redirect you to my work email as usually, but LinkedIn's easiest and then we can redirect. Krista, I love the energy that you brought today in this topic around enabling people to do their best work. Here's my truth you can act on from our conversation. Number one, have conscious disciplines. Like, let them talk first, ask powerful questions, listen, try new things and be willing to fail and understand before jumping in. Love those conscious disciplines. What are yours? Number two, mindset. Let's think about this from a co-creation standpoint. Let's co-create the end game together. Remember, there are multiple ways to get to the end result. Always be rooted in the why and be open to being wrong or questioning when you don't understand. Coming with a leadership mindset like that, like these things that were mentioned, sets such a powerful foundation. Number three, gain clarity. What does good look like? Good, not great. Love that. It's challenging me because I'm always like, the ideal, what is the perfect outcome? You know, and let's just start with defining good and then grow. What's realistic? Start there and build momentum. Number four, co-create together, brainstorm together, walk away, take time, maybe weeks, and then come back when both of you together are ready to truly co-create a plan that you both believe in. Number five, keep it simple. Clean and easy words, simple steps with precision. So good. Thank you so much, Krista. We'll see you all next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now, go do something with it.